Welcome to Musonomics. I'm Larry Miller from the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt. They're the fastest growing consumer technology product in the world, nearly 50 million of them in the U.S. alone, and another 38 million units will be shipped this year. For me, it's really cool how you can just say, Alexa, play blah, blah, blah song, and that song will come on. Yes, we're talking smart speakers today on Musonomics. They're making our lives easier, but also raising privacy concerns while they're shaking up the radio and music industries. Camara Dukes, a mother of two children, is just one of the millions of people whose lives have been changed by adding a smart speaker into her home. When I was growing up, we had cassette tapes and then CDs, and you had to go out of your way to hear the music you wanted to hear, and now it's just like you say the word and the song is playing in your living room. Amazon introduced the first smart speaker, the Echo, in November 2014, and it is far and away the market leader today. Almost 72% of all smart speakers are Amazon's Echo, whose voice-based assistant is Alexa. Google is second, and Apple, which only got into the game in 2018 with its HomePod, is a distant third, followed by some other companies like Sonos that integrate Amazon's or Google's assistant. Each company is showcasing the power of its AI or artificial intelligence and fighting to become the personal assistant of your life. Over 70% of smart speaker users are listening to more audio now, and of those, 64% are interested in having smart speaker technology in their car. But what will be the impact of smart speakers on the entertainment business? Once it's in the home, it's not so much about it is about like uh, fulfilling tasks, but also about creating the right environment and the right mood. And so it's like play happy music, play sad music, play, um, I guess up even like just upbeat music. But it's much more about yeah, like the mood or like playing dinner for uh, playing music for dinner or music for cooking. So like to sort music in the background of other tasks. Sherry, who is a music and tech journalist for Billboard and Forbes. And what she's talking about is born out of the research on how we're using smart speakers. They've cut time spent watching television by almost a third. And 65% of smart speaker users say they wouldn't want to go back to living without one. And get this, smart speakers may even be reversing the long decline in the number of radios in households. Here's Larry Rosen, co-founder and president of Edison Research. One of the things we've tracked in the Infinite Dial series is a question just how many radios are there in your home? And in 10 years ago, when we asked that question, 4% of people said they didn't have a single radio in their home. And to be clear, we're not talking about radios you may have in your car. We're talking very specifically about inside your home. So it was 6% 10 years ago. We asked the question again this year, and that number is now 29%. Wow. So um, now 29% of people said they don't have a single radio in their home. And if you just isolate 18 to 34-year-olds or young adults, actually half, 50% said they don't have a single radio inside their home. Now, the thing about that is I don't think that's necessarily a rejection of the software of radio, of the content of radio. I think for young people, the device is something that would not matter to them at all in their minds. 
they have easy access to that content through their phones or through their laptops. And so they don't see the need to bring in a dedicated device just to listen to radio and frankly, to that is able to listen to nothing else. So the smart speaker does represent a new channel, a new way to listen to radio content that is very easy. And so the radio industry is rightfully excited about the smart speaker. There's no denying the smart speaker market has been hugely successful since Amazon started it back in 2014. But does the success of smart speakers threaten or help the traditional AM-FM radio industry? Research says AM-FM radio use is strong among smart speaker owners. But it remains to be seen whether people using smart speakers will sit still for radio's high commercial loads while listening to music when Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and Amazon Music are all just a breath away. But what about the news? If you pull the Alexa or Google or Apple products out of the box and ask for the news, in all three cases, the default news source is the most recent top-of-the-hour newscast from NPR. Wow. Uh, if you ask for a flash briefing in the Alexa environment, you get the most recent NPR uh, information as the default. You can change it, but that's the default. And we're finding a lot of the listening to broadcast content is also listening to people's local or other uh, public radio stations because they've really been aggressive in this space. Commercial radio has been a little bit slower off the mark, although working now very hard to catch up. And uh, they are definitely seeing some increased listening to their streams from these smart speakers. Uh, so it absolutely represents a new way to listen to radio content, whether it's commercial radio content, uh, public radio content, you know, in the home. And as these become available in more rooms in each home, uh, it'll probably be yet more uh, a way to do that. One of the findings we also have is that once people get a smart speaker, they just listen to more audio. And so it's additive to the whole pot, if you will. They, uh, people with smart speakers tell us that they um, just spend more time listening to audio. It just brings it to mind, I think, a little bit more and creates such a smooth way of delivering music or talk or personalities or sports or whatever you're looking for that people just think to consume more audio. We'll be right back with more from Larry Rosen. But first... Alexa. Play Z100. Getting Z100 station from iHeartRadio. Z100. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll receive a confirmation text, standard message, and data rate supply. I want to tell you how glad we are that you're listening to Musonomics and may have even subscribed. Whether you're listening through Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Overcast, or any of the other services we're available on. But now you can listen to us through another service, Spotify. Head to the podcast section of Spotify and hit the follow button to hear new episodes and explore all our previous topics. We're proud to be on Spotify, our newest distributor. Now back to the show. The majority of people who have smart speakers can't picture themselves without one in their home. So I asked Larry Rosen how Alexa and Google Home will affect the daily commute. And even if you push aside the whole world of the autonomous vehicle, 
which changes so many things yet. But if you're just talking about cars that basically resemble what we're used to in cars today, there is a plan to largely eliminate any eyes on functionalities in that center stack that exists today. The, that their dream would be that your eyes never come off the road. You know, that um, we all know that people texting, you know, pulling out their phone and texting is wildly dangerous. But there are plenty of cases where someone's looking down to try to change the radio station or put a CD into the slot or any of other kind of manipulations of the center stack that lead to accidents because it's taken one's eyes off the road. And once you enjoy the back and forth with a smart speaker, and when you see how good they've gotten at understanding what you're asking for and delivering it to you, it's not hard at all to envision a car environment where anything you might want to do, turn off the air conditioning, change the radio station, play music from your phone, play a podcast, whatever you're looking to do, you can just talk to the car and it will be able to do it. There have been voice-based assistants in people's cars for years now, and the only problem is they tend not to work very well. And so people just stop using them. They might have gotten a training at the dealership, might have tried to do it a couple times, and the person can't understand what you're asking for, it can't do what you're asking. And so people, there's huge evidence that people stop using them. But once it works, uh, and works easily and works well, uh, with a wake word as opposed to having to press a button, et cetera, um, I think, and once you're used to it, of course, if you're used to it because you've been using this uh, platform at home, perhaps, I think it'll easily become the way you interact with your car. And what we're used to now with more and more information on the center stack uh, will likely start to go away. What advice do you have for radio station operators in order to maintain presence in the smart speaker environment? Right. So, I mean, I think there's a two-pronged answer there. One, of course, is to have content that is so compelling and people desire so greatly that no matter what environment they're in, they say, I need to listen to this radio station because I enjoy this show. I enjoy this personality. I appreciate their connection to the local community. I like the music they play, et cetera. Uh, so obviously the no matter what the environment is, what matters most is having compelling content that people want to listen to. I actually think when it comes to the smart speaker, while it's a very, it's a world filled with lots of potential things to listen to, a lot of competition, radio does come into that competition with a lot of advantages. The biggest one is this huge existing audience. Uh, you know, people get in front of these smart speakers, they don't necessarily know what to ask for. And so if a radio station has conditioned people, you know, if a radio station at the top of the hour says, Alexa, play B97, and you hear a promo that says that at the top of every hour, and then you get your first smart speaker, uh, you're in great shape to have them say that and turn on B97, know how to do it right away, and think to do it right away. Uh, so be available and have people know how to invoke your listening and remind people to think of listening to your radio station is exceptionally important in that environment. Music streaming services like Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon have been developing curated music playlists. And some of them have gotten tremendous traction, like Rap Caviar and today's top hits on Spotify. Smart speakers are enabling the style of passive listening to programmed playlists, 
Yet many smart speaker owners love to entertain their friends by being able to call out Alexa or Google to play any song they want. At the same time, have smart speakers accelerated the growth of passive listening? Here's Sherry Hu. You already see this on services like Spotify in terms of the rise of mood playlists, context-based playlists, and labels seeing that uh, even if not as valuable for, I guess, marketing artists, just for like getting streams in general, right? Because those are some of the most popular playlists on Spotify. And then that will only grow, I think, as smart speakers continue to be adopted in terms of that like passive listening style. Mm. Um, but then also, I guess once you have a smart speaker, you don't have a screen. And so if I want Alexa to play music, a label would want me to either would want me to like think of their artists from the very beginning or they they need to start maybe like tagging their music with a certain mood based context so that they optimize their chances of like I guess uh, surfacing to the top of whatever playlist Alexa will pull up or like Apple's HomePod will, will pull up. The way people ask for music on smart speakers is forcing record companies to rethink how to present and make their music available on the streaming services. Instead of requesting a specific song from an artist, in many cases, smart speaker owners will ask to play music with a certain feeling, mood, or to accompany an activity. With music consumers shifting ever more quickly away from downloads and physical things and toward streaming services, smart speakers seem to have entered the market at the optimum time. I had read that smart speakers are the fastest growing new consumer electronics product ever introduced, growing more quickly even than smartphones in the beginning. I asked Larry Rosen, is that right? Yes, that is correct. It's not going to hold at that pace, but if you remember, the smartphone really didn't take off quite as quickly as this did. It came along, it got a lot of attention with the iPhone, but if you remember the iPhone in the early days, it was only available on AT&T. It was very expensive and it was really groundbreaking and, and such a change. And it didn't take off sort of vertically the way smart speakers had. Now, several years into smart speakers history, we really saw that nearly vertical growth. And so I don't know that smart speakers can sustain a pace ahead of smartphones, but its early pace is indeed faster than smartphones. Yes, but you're putting a listening device in your home that's always waiting to record what you say as soon as you activate it. Here's how it works. When you give the Amazon Echo, for example, its wake word, it begins to record your voice and sends the audio file up to the cloud. At that point, a voice recognition system receives it, processes it, and then sends instructions back to the Echo. All the voice-based assistants use algorithms to learn their individual users' particular speech pattern. And for those of you of a certain age, if that sounds just like the way a computer called HAL in 2001, a space odyssey functioned, that's because it is. Hello, HAL, do you read me? Do you read me, HAL? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. 
I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Hopefully, your echo will never go rogue on you. But it's true that the more smart speakers become part of our everyday lives, the more they hear. How much do we really want our devices to record what we're saying? Even if that data enables the companies that operate the systems to market ever more efficiently back to us. Advancements like these change our relationship with technology and the way we interact with it. So, with smart speakers in our homes 24-7, the question becomes, is it always listening to me? And should I be concerned? We asked Sherry Hu how she manages privacy with an always-on smart speaker in the house. This is interesting because, uh, so Sonos, another thing I like about my Sonos speaker is that it has like a direct privacy control on the speaker, so you can just like tap it on or off if you don't want it to listen to you, if you just want it to play music. So that I appreciate that. And yeah, I think privacy, this reminds me actually of an interview that I saw with Steve Jobs. He was speaking at uh, Recode's tech conference uh, several years ago. And one of the questions that came up was about privacy. And one thing that Apple does very explicitly, I think, more even more so than other uh, companies is it always tells you when it's going to need some of your information. Like it's very explicit, like about asking you for information. It's like this app like wants to use your, your location, for instance. It's like very explicit. Like okay, you're gonna go to give us this information. Like you're giving us permission to do that. Um, and so I think there, I think there will have to be some sort of compromise if we want to get to the point where, for example, we want Alexa to know about our daily schedule. With so much of our personal data being sent up to the cloud to make our lives better, would you rather provide this information manually by typing or let the smart speakers do the work for you? I personally would prefer just to give it the information that I would like it to have for important tasks that I guess I see down the line. Or I'm thinking, okay, so Amazon's like advertising style on its online like shopping, right? If you... If you open like a page for one product, you don't even buy it. You don't even like add it to your wish list or anything. It'll start sending you a ton of emails, being like, "Oh, do you want to buy this this other product with the same thing?" And mm-hmm. then so it's like it's very aggressive. So I, I wouldn't want smart speakers to sort of go down that route of being like, "Oh, we heard that you like we heard you talking about this product, or we heard you like we're looking at it. Do you do you want to like? I, I, hopefully, it will be m- much more." sort of accommodating rather than sort of aggressive, like pushing forward. As we begin to trust smart speakers with more sensitive information, these systems become a richer target for hackers. As more devices in our homes, such as our lights, door locks, ovens, and washing machines interact with our smart speakers, the more concern over security we might have. However, Google and Amazon are deterring this from happening, so far, by encrypting the audio files that are sent from the smart speaker up to the cloud. For many of us, smart speakers have changed what we listen to and how we listen to music, how we find and search for music and news, entertain our kids and our friends, and even shop. Imagine in the not-too-distant future, we won't even need smart speakers to benefit from their underlying technology. Alexa, in the future, will you be everywhere? Sorry, I'm not sure about that. Okay, Alexa. Play David Bowie. Playing songs by David Bowie from Spotify.
thank you to our guests, Sherry Hu, Larry Rosen, our friends at Baby Center, and Camara Dukes. Stay tuned for our next episode of Musonomics. What's up with the music we hear in the gym and other places of business? The Musonomics podcast is produced by Musonomics LLC, strategy consulting and analytics for and about the music industry. This episode was produced by Josh Ahadian with assistance from Laurie Jacobson, Vienna Hoffman, Hashika Disaniaki, Kim DeSiro, and Chloe Clements. Special thanks to Shelley Lewis. And one last thing. If you like what you heard on this episode of Musonomics, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute, and it's so important in helping new listeners find our podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Musonomics. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can find our contact information at the website, musonomics.com. From the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt, I'm Larry Miller. Thanks for listening. For